Hey, it's Kanzano. I appreciate you making this podcast part of your day. Make sure you subscribe if you want more and leave us some feedback. Away we go. Initialize sequence. Welcome to The Baldcast, a production of John Kanzano's Baldface Truth. Oregon State hosting UCLA on Saturday, Research Stadium. That should be a hell of a game. If it were at a neutral site, I'd probably pick against the Beavers. I'm leaning Oregon State at this point of the week. We'll find out. We'll lock our picks in later in the week. But Oregon State will be playing uh, a big-time home football game on Fox, 5 o'clock on Saturday. Here to talk about it, T.J. Matheson. He is the insider at 750thegame.com. Does a uh, fantastic job writing and reporting about the Beavers guy who is checking in at practice and keeping us updated on Oregon State. TJ, uh, how's Oregon State feeling this week? Well, they got to be feeling good because they played this type of game just two weeks ago against Utah, and you saw how that happened. The Beavers at home, what is it, I think it's 14 of 15 at Research Stadium, just playing into their strength, which at home is has been defense. They haven't needed it to be perfect, but when they look across the other side and see another team that might only allow 14 to 21 points. It's like, okay, this kind of plays into our strength, though, because in the time I've been here, at least a little bit over two years now, I haven't really seen many teams score that efficiently on them, especially with Trent Bray at the helm at defensive coordinator. So they, they got to feel like stylistically this is, this is a good matchup for them since they just played a team that's very similar to this in Utah just two weeks ago. Dante Moore might be a little bit – better of a quarterback than the, the situation that Utah rolled out a couple of weeks ago. But he's had his struggles in his freshman season, and I think Trent Bray and his defensive group just did not like what they had at California, and they're going to want a lot better. Yeah, the offense played really well, and DJ Uyengalele in particular was better than he had been in recent weeks. Is the quarterback chatter this week, has it subsided, or is it still out there? What's going on on that front? Some people just love to talk about it, unfortunately. It's it's kind of annoying to talk about, because especially after last week, I'm not sure what else DJ is supposed to do. They're scheduling these drives for Aiden Trowell, especially in a game like against Cal, who the, the Golden Bear is able to score 40 points on that Beaver defense. And it's like, well, what, what if Aiden goes in there and he screws up? And you want to – and it perhaps throws DJ out of rhythm. I mean, DJ talked this week pregame. He was like, uh, or after the game, he mentioned this. He's he's just going as like I, I just knew like once the game started, I'm, I'm locked in. I'm going to have one of the best nights of my career, and he absolutely did have that night. But you know, he has two drives. The Beavers score on both of them, and he gets yanked out for for Aiden Childs out of that script, which is kind of weird to be honest. Um, the ch- the chatter though, I, I think it has subsided for the most part. I I never try and engage in that type of chatter. I, I host the post-game show down here, and especially after the Washington State game. I mean, it was just flooding in about, you know, it's time for Childs. It's time for Childs. It's time for Childs. And I'm, I'm just like, I don't get it. Like, why invest this much time into your quarterback and the resources they probably had to land DJ here just just to switch him? I mean, I know the coaching staff doesn't think that, but to, for some people to, to see that, it, it, it's, it's kind of odd. But I think it's, I think it's quite a doubt. Yeah, I like seeing a little bit of Childs, but I, I get what the coaching staff's trying to do. They're letting him dip his toe in the water, letting him kind of get comfortable, letting him get a meaningful series here or there. Uh, you'd rather do that than, you know, if in, in the event of an injury, you just throw a guy cold into the game. 
uh, Ben Goldbrinson on the sideline. I feel bad for that kid, TJ. I mean, yeah, he, he did nothing wrong. I saw him coming off the field at Cal, and he's still got a good attitude. He's on the sideline. I mean, you see him at practice. You see him around. I have just seen nothing but professionalism and good attitude from him. We haven't gotten to talk to him in a couple of weeks. I'd, I'd be curious what, uh, how exactly is. I'm sure everything we would see, upbeat, positive. You know, he's already graduated too. He could have left. He easily could have left and gone somewhere else, and and probably started. He, he has the resume: seven wins, uh, led his team to a bowl game and a bowl win last season. Some programs would absolutely take that, but I think he, not speaking, you know, from any <laughs> any inside sources of of how Ben's thinking, but I, I feel like he's just here to enjoy the ride, pretty much, and enjoys really working with his quarterback room. Because I think if if it was otherwise. I, I think he would have left. I, I think it would have been too easy for him to see how it was shaking out of the fall, and the NCAA allows you, if you want, to leave. And he, he's still here, and I'm sure Jonathan Smith, Brian Lindgren, and company are grateful that he is in case someone gets hurt and maybe Childs isn't ready to play a full game and they just want someone to go in there and run the offense and feel comfortable running the offense. He, he's still there as that option. There are some teams in the conference – that you know what you're going to get on offense or you know what you're going to get on defense on a given night. How frustrating is it that we just don't have that sense about Oregon State at this point of the season? Could be a great offensive performance, could be a little bit of a clunky performance, could be a bad defensive performance, could be a great defensive performance. It just seems like they haven't quite found consistency, rhythm, their best version of themselves. It comes down to identity, really. I had this point brought up to me, and I, and I, and I agreed it, and I, I really didn't even think it. We think of the Beavers as a, as a running team, and they've been very successful running the football this season. I mean, top 16 in the country in yards per carry, and they'll volume run the, run the ball too. But they bring DJ in, and the idea with bringing DJ in is so that your passing game is better. And Jonathan Smith talks about balance this, balance that. We need to be able to throw the football. If, if possible, and there are some games they have needed to throw the football, and the, the quarterback consistency, at least let's say the Washington State game, was not there. DJ had some planned overthrows. He had some throws he just flat-out missed, and it kind of threw the offense in a rut. I think having a multi-dimensional offense is a good thing, but when you don't always execute all facets of the offense, which we've seen from the Beavers this season, it's hard to – consistent now when everything clicks and you have a great offensive performance against Cal and DJ has five touchdown passes and you still run for a ton of yards on the ground then it all works great but the problem is it just hasn't been that smooth in both facets so far this season I think you know there's been some interesting moments you know Anthony Gold has a 75 yard touchdown against San Diego State, then he maybe disappears for a week or two. He comes back, makes some phenomenal catches in the Cal game. Uh, Josiah Irish has become a player that you have to account for. Uh, Obviously, um, you look at Silas Bolden. The playmakers at the wide receiver position and the tight end, you get Jack Velling going last weekend, feels like the, the receiving and the tight end room, plus the offensive and defensive linemen catching touchdown passes, that that element of the game doesn't seem to be a concern at this point. It doesn't. They really do have playmakers. I, I never thought coming into the season that they would have a problem being explosive on the outside. If there was only one thing you were going to look at that this group lacks, it's 
a little bit of size. I mean, out, you look at the top two, top three receivers out wide, Josiah Iris, Silas Gold, and Anthony Gould, not the biggest guys out there, but you get the balls, ball in their hands, and they make things happen. Silas Bolden's performance in the Utah game is probably the best performance I've seen by an Oregon State wide receiver in the three seasons I've, I've covered this team. And Anthony Gould, I mean, it, it seems like in that moment, I, I wrote about Silas on 750thegame.com, and, and I was just thinking about Anthony Gould because he's who you probably thought was a slight edge of a number one receiver coming into the season. It's like, oh, well, Gould, is he's been good. He really hasn't had his moments besides that tunnel screen you mentioned he took for a touchdown. And then against Cal, he's out there just making plays. doesn't matter how big the DB is on him. And DJ just floats a couple of beautiful third down passes to him, and he lays out and makes a catch. And we were talking to him today. He's like, you know, I, I don't even surprise myself anymore. I expect every ball that hits my hands to make a catch. And it, it, it just reflects the confidence this group has, despite potentially some of the limitations they have. They have managed to produce against some of the best in, in the conference. And they, they scored on Utah. They made plays against that Utah defense when they absolutely needed to. Their guys were making plays. Jack Velling against Cal with three touchdowns. It was, I would say, schemed open a little bit on a couple of them. But regardless, it, it's been refreshing to see that they have you know, the versatility in the offense and they don't have to throw to just one guy, although that would help having an Isaiah Hodgins back. I'm sure Jonathan would not complain if that was the case. But overall, I, I, I think the, uh, the diversity of that group is good and a strength of this offense when it all clicks. Damian Martinez and Deshaun Fenwick kind of doing the same thing, aren't they? I mean, you, you aren't seeing one guy end up with 200 rushing yards. It's like, you know, they're good for 85, 88 yards a game. And that's so important because this year you thought you'd have Jam Griffin in there and to, to come in on third downs, pass blocking downs, and more or less when, when because it's, it's going to happen, when somebody gets hurt, running back is just such a brutal position where some week one of these guys might not be able to play and, and they're going to have to go uh, to Isaiah Newell. And then after that it's the walk-on guys. So I think balancing that, it, it's important for their health, but it's also important that they both continue to produce, like we saw Deshaun against Washington State. If you have conf- the equal amount of confidence in both of those guys, it really doesn't give you any worry who's in there on, on any given down. And we've seen that reflected and allows the Beavers to run the football as much as they do without wearing down their running backs that they really need to keep healthy throughout the season. UCLA, what do they do that scares you if you're Oregon State? Well, it's that, that front seven, I, I know Latu. I, I haven't gotten to look, look into UCLA all that much. But that defense, I mean, talk about a battle of strength versus strength. They're, they, I think it's still under two yards of carry, which is just absurd against the front seven. And Utah, when they, they came to Corvallis, had similar numbers in the Beavers. Overall, didn't run the ball well that night. But on the first drive, they did. And I think that really did set the tone of the Utah defense's yeah, we mean business. So I think it's just another matchup of strength versus uh, for Oregon State and running the football and strength on the UCLA side, who's really good on all three levels. But defending the run, I mean, they are just incredible. And that's UCLA's best shot of winning that football game is they're able to bottle up Damian Martinez and, and Deshaun Fenwick as well. So there's a lot to like there with UCLA uh, on the defensive end. Not something we're used to seeing with Chip Kelly, but I'm sure he's not complaining. Oregon State hosting UCLA. On Saturday, 5 o'clock on Fox. T.J. Matheson with us, contributor at 750thegame.com. You can also 
catch him uh, as part of the post-game show on Oregon State uh, football. He obviously does KEJO, uh, 1240 AM in Corvallis, and you're at practices, uh, you're at the games. Uh, give me a sense, uh, by the way, Arizona State grad, right, Cronkite School of Journalism. Yep. Hey, let's go back yep. for a second, because i got to ask you this. The student section of Arizona sure. State gets into it with Shador Sanders. You know that student section. What is that environment like on game day? Cool. It really depends on the week because sometimes at the end of the game it's empty. And, you know, I'm guilty of that. But I, I thought it was interesting because it's a matchup of, you know, the two first-year programs, two different styles of coaches. Kenny Dillingham, you know, a young buck who comes in from Oregon and it doesn't have all the hype and flash of, of Deion Sanders and, it was a game, I would say, one of the more one of the more crucial home games in terms of interest and just two first-year programs trying to prove it against each other, and the game played out that way. It was extremely close. I never knew the ASU student section in, in my time being there ever to be that nasty. I think it might have been a little bit on both sides. It, it, again, probably never helps with Colorado always being in the headline. If they're always going to be in the headline – and even the students who don't really care about football all that much and, and just want to go to the games, you know, they're going to read about it a little bit more and know more about the team and know about who's playing quarterback. And maybe they let Shadur know during, during the game. I don't know. I, I would assume someone said something, and the reason he felt the need to go over there and do that, I don't think it's really that big a deal. But uh, it was funny. I did get a lot. I did get a chuckle out of that. All right, TJ Matheson, I appreciate you joining us to talk about UCLA, Oregon State. Thank you. All right. Thanks, John. All right, there he goes. UCLA traveling to Corvallis, where Oregon State is a favorite in that game. Home favorites in the Pac-12, 27-1 this season. I'm picking at least one road team to win. Steven and I are going to talk about it. Leave it here. Dana got a haircut today. I only bring this up because you know that she's come on the show before and she's complained that when she gets a haircut, I always say the wrong thing. I never, I never, it's one of these things that's taken me years to grasp. Don't say too much when she walks in with the haircut or color done, okay? Don't say too much. And you have to say something. You can't say nothing because she's looking for that feedback. And so um, in prior years, I've said stuff like, wow, look at your hair. It looks great. What happened? You know, not a good look. It's the second part that always gets me in trouble. Or not noticing that she's done a color to the hair. So today, she's, I, I, I knew she was going to get her hair cut or colored or whatever it was. And, uh, and I'm not a hair person. I mean, look at me. Come on. Uh, but she, I said to her, because I knew she was there, I said, well, how did your hair come out? So she sent me a selfie. And I replied, stunning. That's it. Stunning. That's the right answer. It's taken me years, decade plus, to get that right. Stunning. That's the right answer. This could be a Seinfeld episode. When your significant other gets her hair done, I don't care if it's a color, I don't care if it's a cut, you don't, all you say is one word. And it must be positive. Stunning. That's the way to do it, Stephen. It's the uh, it's the old less is more, right, John? Like, I mean, because it's like a lie, right? Like, if you're going to tell a lie, you can't get too in-depth about it because then you get to get caught in more and more lies. you got to be very vague, very uh, very just blunt about it. Yeah, stunning, great, you know, amazing, look great. You know, that's a great job by you, John. I'm glad that you figured it, me, it out. 
I don't know, 15 years to get that? 16 years? I don't know. <laughs> hey, that's sooner than a lot of guys. <laughs> I, I just think, and here's the thing. I actually thought it looked stunning. And I just said to myself when I saw it, okay, don't make this mistake that I make every other time. One time I said to her, I love that you went dark with your hair. And she was like, I actually lightened it. <laughs> okay, don't do that. Uh, too much information. TMI can get you in trouble in those scenarios. But she doesn't so, want to go yeah. overboard and be like, oh, you, this is the best you've ever looked. Or nah, you, know, nah, the, you, you look so good right now. It's just amazing, stunning. You know, Because if you go overboard, then she's like, okay, now he's just lying and he's just saying this to be nice. And it really, I did think it was a good haircut. I, I, I like dark hair. And so I like when she does her hair dark. And so when she uh, when she sent me the picture, all I was looking for was is the hair dark, and then um, I just said stunning, and and that's all I have to say. Now, if she listens to this radio segment, she might then go, "Oh, you did this or that, or you were just saying that." But it's not true. I just th- I thought it was stunning, and I said that, and I was so proud of myself, and I said, "You know, there's the key. It's a one word answer. Don't talk yourself into a rabbit hole." One word answer. That's it. End of discussion. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about uh, the the road teams in the Pac-12 this week. The home favorites in the Pac-12 this season are twenty-seven and one. Okay, home favorites twenty-seven and one. So great example on Friday night. Colorado is at home playing against Stanford. They are a home favorite. They're probably going to win that game outright, right? You like Colorado. I like Colorado. Stanford's not very good. Maybe it's closer than we uh, you know, probably expected weeks ago, but uh, still like Colorado as a home favorite in that game, and they should win that game. So the Pac-12 will probably head to the weekend with home favorites being 28-1 in, in winning the games outright. And let's talk about the matchups a little bit with that context. Because Stanford's going to be a ten and a half point road dog, going to Boulder. Don't see them winning that game. Really curious about the TV ratings on a Friday night with Coach Prime involved. So keep an eye on that one. Second game of the weekend is Cal at Utah. Utah's a thirteen and a half point home favorite. No telling if Cam Risen's going to play. Rice Eccles Stadium, though, too tough of a place. I think Utah wins that game. I think the Pac-12 will be 29-1. and What do you think is more likely of an upset, though? Stanford over Colorado or Cal over Utah? I would say Stanford over Colorado. I agree, yeah. I think Stanford can, the way that Stanford plays, I think that that could be a fewer possession game, which lends itself a little bit to an upset. Um, Oregon is at Washington. Of course, the game at 1230 on ABC that everybody's going to be watching. Washington, that spread... Opened at three and a half, dropped to three, two and a half now at some places. I actually think the road team's going to win that game. I think right now, if I have to pick the game, and I won't give my official pick till later in the week, right now I think Oregon's the better team. I think they're more balanced. I think the Huskies are really good on the offensive side. I don't think they've played anybody. I think Oregon has a chance to be just the second road dog to win in the Pac 12 this year. Ooh, ah, I, uh, yeah, I. I don't think you're wrong. Uh, you know, Oregon, top 10 in scoring offense and in scoring defense. They're one of two teams in the nation to be that. The other team is Georgia. So we look at that Oregon defense, and we've seen it with our eyes. The eye test, they pass it. 
and now the stats test, they pass it, but they haven't played a team like Washington. So I'm really curious to see how they react um, to that high-powered offense up in Seattle. I think right now I'm still leaning Washington, uh, mm. but I could talk because at the start of the week, I, you know, Monday, yesterday, I was Oregon. Now I'm back to Washington. I was I, Washington yesterday. Yeah, and I, <laughs> I think we're, I, I'm going to go back and forth with this all week. I. This is going to be a great game. That's all I know. Uh, but right now, I think Washington, I, I love what Penix does right now. I'm leaning Washington, but tomorrow, uh, ask me again, it may be a different answer. If this game's at Autzen Stadium, I think Oregon's like a four or five point favorite. I agree. I agree. I think it flips that much, and I think it. I think the home field matters that much, especially in this rivalry, especially what happened last season. I think it just feeds into the Washington craziness and those fans that they know, like, hey, we can beat this team. We did it last okay. season. Let's do it again. All right, so there's a road team that I have winning. A road dog. All right, another road dog that could win. How about Arizona playing at Washington State? Arizona's an eight-and-a-half-point favorite at Washington State. A little bit of the shine came off Washington State last week. Arizona showed they can score. That's an interesting game. And, and by the way, I don't think Jaden Delora is going to play quarterback for Arizona. I think they'll go with Tafita, and I think Washington State-Arizona could be a little bit dicey. Uh, you know what? I actually disagree with you. I think Washington State is going to come back, and they're going to get back to where they were. Um, I, I think UCLA is that good that they're just going to make teams look look you know average on offense. And I think against the Arizona team, Washington State up in Pullman can score a lot. I think Washington State wins this game, and they're going to cover that game, uh, cover the spread, and win by two scores. So I, I disagree with you on that. I think Washington State actually bounces back. I'm leaning Arizona in the points right now. USC, not a conference game, but they're at Notre Dame. They are a road dog playing at Notre Dame. There's another one, UCLA at Oregon State. UCLA's a road dog. Who has the better chance over, to Over under one and a half road wins. I'm going to say I'm going to say over. I think there's going to be okay. two road underdogs that win games this year or this week, sorry. Uh, but the trend is it your friend or not? We'll find out this weekend. We interrupt this broadcast with a special announcement from the Bald Face hey, Sorry Truth to interrupt the podcast, but if you want to listen to more of the Bald Face Truth Radio Show, including more of this segment that you're listening to, make sure you subscribe on SoundCloud and iTunes to the Bald Face Truth Radio Show. Thanks for listening.